The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Galatians chapter 3 is our text on this fine day. We're going to start by uh, reading the first several verses here together. If you remember, uh, Paul in chapter 1 had to deal with some false teachers called Judaizers. What they were doing is Paul had ministered the gospel to the Gentiles. He had presented the gospel. They trusted in Christ. They were excited. They were growing in the Lord. They were excited about their faith. And then came some folks uh, in from the church at Jerusalem, and they said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Gentiles can't be Christians. Uh, only Jews can be Christians, so you've got to follow the law in addition to your faith. And Paul got a little mad about that teaching because he knew that that wasn't true at all. He's going to talk more about that now. So he confronted the Judaizers. In fact, as we got into chapter 2, we saw he even had to have a little skirmish with Peter over that issue. But then we got to what I think is the key verse of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And we kind of see that in the Christian life, why are things hard? Why do we still struggle? Why are there difficulty? Why are there hardships in life? Because this life we live in the flesh. But how can we make it? We live by faith in the Son of God, and we have those two handles to grab a hold of the Christian life and say, yes, I understand there will be difficulty. This life is still in the flesh. Uh, Here's where we are in the nasty now and now, but I live by faith in the Son of God, so therefore, here I go. Now, as we get into chapter 3, he's going to tell us some more about this life of faith. Okay, Uh, if you want to call it the Jesus life, the Christ life, but uh, we're going to kind of dig into what that means to be living a life in his grace. So the Apostle Paul writes and he says, you foolish Galatians, very strong word there, foolish. It has the idea that you, you know something and you're ignoring it. You're not using it. Who has bewitched you? Again, interesting word there. Who has bewitched you? The word is kind of the idea of a a snake eye or a hypnotist eye. Don't look at their eyes, you know, whatever. Don't let them get a hold of you. They're going to control you. Somebody has gotten into your thinking. Somebody has drawn your attention away from the truth. Somebody has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. We're going to come back to that idea in a minute. Let me ask you only this. Okay, I got one thing I want to ask you. Only this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, do you think you're now being perfected by the flesh? Okay, you got it at one point. You understood this is faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about earning. It's not about keeping the law. It's about faith. But now we're getting a little confused. Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you uh, do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Okay, obviously a rhetorical question. He's saying you started this life in faith. This is a walk of faith, but now somehow you've gotten off track. Somehow these folks have come in here and they've told you it about, it's about works and you've gotten sucked back into that. Somehow you've forgotten the knowledge that you have. Uh, you know, we sang, um, 
or actually Adam prayed this morning and prayed that God soften our hearts. And we always want that. We want to have soft hearts, but the apostle Paul also makes clear. You don't want to have soft heads. Okay. Let's think through this here for a second. You're not thinking of, of this at all. And yet they did get someone of a soft head. So let's, uh, let's draw a couple conclusions from this. I think we're going to talk about this better way of living. So focusing on the word better for a second, first of all, the apostle Paul said, you know, better. Oh, foolish uh, Galatians, you know better, okay? You've heard the truth. You know better, okay? Here's one of the things that we want to make sure we do. We want to make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus. And he stops and he says, don't you remember Jesus was portrayed before you? It's a word that also gets translated into the idea of a billboard. Lift Jesus up on a billboard and put him here. Make make him the center of life. Now, I want to do something... uh, you know, just kind of in a weird mood this morning. I don't know if it's a lack of sleep from going down to the Grange out or what uh, like that, but I'm going to rearrange the platform for a second, move Rachel over there for a minute. I'm going to put my little podium over here. You know, we've talked in here about the idea of, you know, different traditions that churches have. And um, remember, most of the traditions started off to give us pictures of things. Okay. Now what happens with those pictures, a lot of, we mentioned this, they get substituted in and they replace the substance of Jesus Christ. Okay. And they become the important thing. And in a lot of uh, our church backgrounds, we're more into uh, an evangelical church of some kind or another. So we have shied away from getting caught up on too many traditions or rituals, but we ought to remember one thing, and that is they actually did have a good purpose to begin with. If they are not, they, they give us kind of a, a good view of things. If we don't get carried away with them and they become uh, a substitute for Christ. For example, and many of you have a background, I do, of a church that did not have a pulpit in the middle. Okay, you uh, a lot of times you had two pulpits. You had one on the right and one on the left. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been, been there, a church like that. There was a reason for that. Okay, and the reason was this. They never wanted a man to be the center of attention in the church. They wanted the Lord's Supper table to be the center of attention in church. Okay, they want it. And this, again, I'm saying very good thing. And, and we're going to kind of look at that again later as we observe the Lord's Supper. But we want, they wanted Jesus to be, always be the center of attention. Now, what happened at one point is uh, men decided, hey, but we also want the preaching of the word to be the center. So they moved the pulpit to the, to the middle. Okay, I'm not really saying either one is wrong, but I wanted to say that, that there is a tendency in many cases to make Ta-da! Uh, the, the center of attention. And we always want to be coming back to the idea that Jesus was betrayed before you. We want to bring you back to Jesus. Okay? We want to bring everything back to Jesus. Uh, keep our eyes on him. And from the start to finish, the Apostle Paul is going to make it very plain that it is about faith. It is never, listen, our, our faith in Jesus Christ initially, our birth into his kingdom, is this is true of that, but it is also true of our lives. And it is never about earning and deserving. It is always about believing and receiving. Okay? So, we want to, so it is always going to be about faith from start to finish. And we want to remember that we are not in this life then, as we journey here, we are not seeking God's approval. You say, you're not? No, because Jesus is my approval. Now, I, I want to make this very plain. I, I think for a lot of people, um, you, we have situations in, in our family life, you know, maybe we have parents that were very begrudging with approval. 
Okay, we never could make them happy. Or maybe you have somebody else like that, a boss like that, a family member like that. You can't make them happy no matter what you do. Okay, very frustrating, isn't it? Okay, uh, never hear that. I'm proud of you. Never an attaboy or anything like that. My fear is that we often live that same way as far as God is concerned. Okay, we always, listen, God has an impossibly high standard of holiness. And if we're trying to earn our acceptance with him, if we're trying to get his approval by our behavior, we're always going to come up short. Either we're going to uh, live our life then thinking we're a failure all the time, or we're going to have some false sense of pride because we're better than somebody else. And we think, we think we've achieved it there. So I never want to live my life striving all the time to make sure that I keep God happy with me. I want to live my life remembering that because of Jesus, I am approved because of what he did and my faith in him. Okay, that's where my approval is. I stand in Jesus. We sang that in one of the songs today. Okay, we're, we're standing in him, complete in him, approved in him because of what he did, because my faith's in him. If I am striving all the time to be good enough, now, hopefully, we've gotten across here that that is never going to be the entrance into heaven is because I've been good enough to meet God's standards. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ, but we need to carry that over into our lives now and into our relationship with him where we are not going to be good enough. I'm not going to go in there with my merit badges and my bonus points and think, hey, God, here's what I deserve. I'm going to go in and say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and I stand here approved because God has, has given me his righteousness. Now, he develops this more, okay? First of all, uh, he, says, he says, you know better, but then as he goes on in, in the scripture, he tells us that, um, where is that slide? There it is, uh, that scripture teaches us better. So let's back up. He's going to talk about Abraham here. So he says, just as Abraham, and listen to this phrase, way back in uh, Genesis, uh, I think Abraham shows up in chapter 12, and is, he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, weird. why was Abraham righteous? Because he did what? He believed God through faith. And then that is, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, let me read through the rest here. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. Wait a minute. The scripture way back, the Old Testament, that's what Paul's preaching. He says, here's what the scripture says. The Gentiles would be justified by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What do you say? In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now, we'll come back and look at that in a minute here. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. He says very clearly, you know better. You know it's about faith. It's not by works. Scripture teaches better. Okay. Now, you know that song? Okay, how many of you know that song, Father Abraham? Father Abraham. Uh, there's some motions. I don't know what they are, but right arm, left arm. Uh, I could put on quite a show for you right, right, right now. It, it would amaze you. But uh, understand, it says what is said about Abraham. It says he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteous because of that. God gave him the righteousness through Jesus Christ, not through his works. He believed God, and therefore, it was accounted to him that he was, that he was righteous. It came by the work of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read a, a verse to you, uh, John, something John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9. Okay, this is John the Baptist. He's talking to the Jews, and he says this, do not presume to say to yourself, do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, 
For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What he said to them is, don't presume that because you are a Jew, you're a child of Abraham. Wait a minute. Well, obviously they are. Abraham had children in two different senses. Uh, He did have genetic children, the nation of Israel. But then he also had spiritual children. Spiritual children are born by faith. If you read through that passage, it says that plainly, Abraham became, uh, was by faith. And all the nations, Jew and Gentile and everything, would be blessed through Abraham because it was through Abraham's seed that the Messiah would come, that Jesus Christ would be born. Okay? But it is all about faith, never about works in him. Now, I want to do a, a side note for just a second here. Um, and well, I'll try not to get too deep in the woods here, but uh, there is something called replacement theology that some people believe that the children of Israel were replaced by. Well, actually, some people believe they were replaced by the United States. Um, I don't go for that one uh, at all. I don't even go for the other one. But some people think it's no longer all about Israel. And then the United States kind of became the center of that. I think it's, time bears that out more and more. That's not the case. But uh, the other idea is that children of Israel were completely replaced then by the church. Okay. So you have... Abraham's genetic ancestors, and then you have his spiritual ancestors, and that's replaced. Um, I'm not really holding to either of those because I think, well, let me click the little slide here to, to say it. I think you see very clearly in Scripture that both the genetic and the spiritual children of Abraham have a clear place in God's plan. And I think when you read throughout Scripture, Israel is that that's, that's why our interest gets peaked whenever Israel's at the center of the news all the time, because Israel is very clear in end times events. Israel's still uh, very obviously part of God's plan. So that God, Abraham's genetic ancestors... Still going, still part of it. But Abraham's spiritual ancestors are the church. So we can say, Father Abraham, okay? Uh, he is my father in that he is the, he's the one who by faith uh, was given the righteousness of God, okay? And that's how I become righteous in God's eyes also is by faith. Now, let me go to one more phrase with this. Um, it says, it w- Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteous. Okay, we always want to strive <laughs> to rely upon faith that is accounted, not accomplished. Okay, uh, my standing with God is not on the basis of my merit or my good works, never has been. Someone accredited on my account. I walked in the bank one day and there it was. Okay, I did nothing to earn it. And Jesus Christ has accredited to my account, his righteousness, when I put my faith in him. We oftentimes uh, get a strange sense of confidence because we think, well, I have, I am more righteous than somebody else. Uh, let me use a real old sermon illustration here for, for a second. Uh, here I am. I'm out on the boat. Uh, my wife is with me. Uh, we're way out on the boat. We can't see land anywhere. And we also have our good friends on, the, on there, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps and Francis and I are out on the boat, okay? And the boat starts to sink. We can see land nowhere. Now, I like to swim. I've swam a lot of my life for exercise. I consider myself a pretty good swimmer. Just this summer, I was out in the lake with two grandkids hanging on me, treading water for 20 minutes. I was very proud of myself. Uh, and, and we all uh, live to tell about it. My wife does not like to swim. I don't think I've ever seen this motion uh, from her. She does a little doggy paddle sometimes. She's not real fond of being in, in the water. So here, here we are. The three of us are out in the 
the boat, it starts to sink. Frances starts to swim. <laughs> She's fish food before very long at all. Uh, I start to swim. I might get a little bit further, but uh, I'm still fish food. And even our good friend, Michael Phelps, who starts to swim, has no idea where he's going, eventually is going to be fish food, okay? Uh, that's just going to happen. But we, we kind of have this idea that, hey, if, I can be, if I'm better than somebody else, you know, the old thing about, you know, you know, when you're out hunting, you don't have to be faster than the bear, just faster than the guy that you're with, the, that, that idea. We kind of have that idea that I'm a little bit better than somebody else. If, I, you know, if, I, if my righteousness is, is strong, I've been more righteous. I've accomplished more. No, you don't want any accomplished righteousness. That's not what I want. I want accredited righteousness. The righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's, one, uh, that's what I want to live with. Now, the scriptures expand on that more throughout the Old Testament. So Paul starts to quote them. He says, for you, who, listen to this. Uh, he's going to quote from, uh, to begin with, I think, Deuteronomy, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to do them. Okay? Cursed is everyone who does not apply by all things. If you can't keep the law of God perfectly, cursed is that person. Deuteronomy says it. Paul quotes it here. Now, it is evident that no one, come on, come on, no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. That's from Habakkuk. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. It became the cornerstone of the Reformation. The just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, not only are we saved by faith, but we live by faith. We walk by faith. That still is the basis of our relationship to God, is our faith in him. I'm believing, I'm receiving. I'm not earning I'm not deserving anything, but the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. If you want to live under the law, go for it, but it's not going to work out very well. Now, Christ has redeemed us from, by, uh, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. Again, quoting the Old Testament there, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that they might receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay? So the apostle Paul says, hey, listen, folks. I, I tried to teach you this. Are you so foolish? I mean, you understood it was about faith from the beginning, but now here comes works back in. And, and, and we do the same thing. I try to be honest, try to think through this for a second. I do the same thing. I bring back in somehow my deservingness, uh, my deservedness. I've been better. I'm better than so-and-so. I bring that back into my relationship with God. I want to kick that out of my relationship with God. My relationship with him is based on what he has done, not what I do all the time from the start to the finish. That's where it goes. And uh, so the Apostle Paul starts off and he says, I've taught you this. Not only that, but Scripture abounds with this idea. Unless you can keep the law perfectly, you don't want to mess with that. That's not where you want to get your righteousness. You want to uh, be forgiven by Jesus Christ and be resting in his righteousness. And, uh, you know, we're going to develop that a little bit more as we go further into this text. But. I have a weird little third statement here. Okay, you know better, he says. Scripture teaches better. Jesus charts better. That's one of those phrases. means nothing to, me, to anybody but me, so let me try to explain it. When I first became a pastor, I had a friend who was, uh, 
He went to high school with me, sat beside me in high school, uh, went to college with me, was a roommate in college, went off, and we both went off teaching in Christian schools. Uh, he did it for five years and became a pastor. I did it for 30 years and became a pastor. I'm a little slow. Uh, but I eventually made But when I became a pastor, I thought I'll call him up and, and see if he has any advice for me. Okay, in fact, he had started off teaching in the school that we went to in high school, and now he was pastoring in the Pittsburgh area. I thought I'll call him up. And he started telling me about this. He said, oh, I got something great to give you. He said, I just came up with this plan for our church, like where uh, you can, the kids, by going to church and by memorizing scripture and by giving offerings, stuff like that, they can earn little bonus uh, dollars that I pass out. And then they can trade them in for gifts at the end. They can earn these things. And every kid has a chart that they fill out with all the things they do. But he said, I got so excited about it. I thought adults need accountability too. So we have this chart that we're giving out to everybody in the church. And they, they mark on there when they read their Bible, when they come to church, when they give, everything like that. And they're charting everything like that. Now, if you don't remember us doing that here, yes, you're right. Uh, he sent it all to me, and I thought, eh, that's not really for me. Uh, that's, that's not the way we're going. That wasn't the advice I was hoping for. But, but I'm thinking about this idea of having this little chart with all my merit points on there, you know, my merit badges. Oh, I read my Bible today. Read my Bible yesterday. I prayed. Uh, I gave my money to, to the church. I did this stuff. That, and, and we, okay, you're going to stand and come to Jesus with either your chart or his chart. And he charts better, okay? You can't have them both. And I want us to get that in our head. And again, I have preached it before, and I, you know, I, I can't preach it too often, but no one uh, comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Nobody does. But then in our daily walk in Christ, we revert back to this legalism all the time. We revert back to, you know, well, God's unhappy with me. I think about that for a second here. If I believe that somebody is unhappy with me all the time, I'm not real comfortable. I don't really want to be around them. You know, and we get that way with God. And when I say we, I mean me. I know I've been there. Where it's like, man, I've disappointed God again. So it's not, and, and where's the closeness then as far as God is concerned? But when I come to him and say, God, I got nothing. I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Christ alone is my hope. In Christ alone is my forgiveness. How does Jesus chart better? Well, in the text that we already read, it tells us that he became cursed by God. Digest that for a second, would you please? The Son of God became cursed by God. Cursed the idea of damnation. He took upon him the wrath of God. Damnation. The Son of God became cursed by God, the Scripture tells us. He purchased our redemption. That's a little redundant because redeemed is to buy back. But, but still that phrase, that idea, the Bible says us what he did. He redeemed us. He bought us back brought us back from where we were, uh, bought us back, paid the price in full for our forgiveness. And he says, because of that, we have the blessing of Abraham. Um, the last phrase we read said very clearly that the, all, all nations would be blessed. And I wanted, to, again, just by way of current events to mention for a second here, the promise of God to Abraham is that through you, through your seed, which was Jesus Christ, all the nations of the world be blessed. I can remember as a little kid now, 
you know, I'm, I'm growing up in the 60s. So 15, 20 years before that was the Holocaust. So that was still kind of a thing. Now, the people today, you know, we talk about 9-11. A lot of us, we remember where we were that day, but we all have a whole generation now that didn't see it, you know, didn't know it, go back. So it was kind of like that back then to refer to the Holocaust, but people would still talk about it. And I can remember, I can remember asking my mother, Mom, uh, you know, why do people hate the Jews so much? And, uh, and her response <laughs> was not correct, I don't think. Uh, but she said, because they make so much money. <laughs> that, was, that was my mother's response. I said, yeah, kind of stuck in my head because uh, they know how to make money. But uh, I, I actually want to give you what I think is a better answer for that. You see, God promised long ago to Abraham that through the Jews, he would send the Savior. Do you know there's one who hates everything about that plan? There's an enemy of God who hates everything about redemption plan, and he has fought it every opportunity that he can get. And, uh, and there has been an inbred hatred for the Jews uh, that, I'm going to say it, comes straight from Satan. That hatred, that anti-Semitism comes straight from Satan, that he would desire to kill this avenue that God had made for the Savior, the Jewish, the Jewish people. But God promised, he said, through you, this blessing of Abraham is going to be passed down. Now, I want to read one more, or, uh, one more little section as we go uh, further into the text. To give a human example, let me, let me explain this to you, brothers. Even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Even when you make a covenant between men, you can't change it. So understand, this is a covenant involving God, so it's going to be uh, far more binding. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. That's why I'm saying offspring, who is who? Christ. Okay, the, the pro, he made a covenant. Now, this is what I mean. The law came 430 years afterwards. Okay, Moses got the law 430 years later. That does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. Next week, we'll read on a little bit more and find out why the law was given. But understand this, the law was never given as a way to earn God's favor, righteousness, to earn heaven. It was never given for that. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by the promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Um, I told you this is, uh, it's kind of weird. I, th I have two real old illustrations. A lot of times I think, oh, I'm not going to tell that. I heard that when I was a kid. Uh, I got two illustrations. The boat thing, that was from the kids, except... David Phelps wasn't in it then, or Michael Phelps. David Phelps is a singer. Uh, but neither one was in the boat then. Uh, we revised that a little bit. But uh, here's another illustration I remember from many years ago, okay? We are, uh, we're all at Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls. And uh, they have the uh, type rope stretched across there because some guy's going to walk across it. And, of course, he looks down at the crowd. He says, do you think I can do it? And they say, yeah. And they cheer, and he walks across, and everybody cheers. And then he says, I'll tell you what, make it a little harder. I'm going to get a wheelbarrow. And uh, he says, I'm going to wheel this wheelbarrow across there. And he says, you think I can do it? And they say, yes, well, they can. You, you do it like that. And then he does, straight across there. And then he says, I'll tell you what, let's make it a little harder. Let's throw a little weight in the wheelbarrow. He said, I'm going to put a couple hundred pounds in there of uh, sand. Think I can do it? Yeah. And, uh, and he makes it across. 
And he said, okay. He said, I just made it with 200 pounds. He says, how much you weigh, sir? The guy says, ah, I weigh 180. He says, you think I could take you across there? He says, yeah. And he says, get in. And that guy, no way. I'm not going to get in. I, I, that illustration is this idea. For a lot of people, you know, we're talking about this idea of believing in Jesus. Okay, our life, let me say it again. Our life is not about earning and achieving. It's about receiving and believing. That's where you're trusting in what he has done. A lot of people get to the place where I say, yeah, I believe all that. My invitation to you now is get in. And what I mean, that means by placing your faith and your trust personally in Jesus Christ. Understanding that he is the only way. Okay, not, 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 uh, I'm going to try to do my best, God, but uh, no, I've got nothing. I have nothing. Now, um, we're going to do um, communion just a little different today in that um, we're going to start, well, we're going to uh, dim the lights, except there's going to be one, one spotlight. Oh, you can set that up, guys. Except there's going to be one spotlight right here on the elements. And um, I really wanted to give you an opportunity. So you can, you can kill them all with that. I really wanted to give you an opportunity, um, especially from the center. You look and you see the elements and you see the cross. To have a time of intimacy here with Jesus Christ. Okay, I think I think that gets lost a lot of day. You know, even in our Sunday morning worship, sometimes is that's what we really want to want to do is focus on Jesus. So uh, they're going to play a little song in a minute. They're going to play kind of kind of softly. The song is "Thank You Jesus for the Blood." And uh, as they do that, for, for almost two minutes, I'm just going to ask that you stay seated and you, uh, you take a little, little time. Listen, uh, great way to start Thanksgiving week. Okay, we have so much, you know, we're going to thank God for our, our food and our friends and our family and everything like, like that. But let's begin with a focus that is right here on the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life. And we remember the, the bread that represents a body broken for us. We remember the cup that represents the blood that was shed for us. And I want to encourage you just to spend some time in thanksgiving and understanding that it is all through him. And, and, and I would encourage you to God, God, in, in the ways that I try to bring works back into my relationship, I want to live by faith. I want to trust in you. I want to, when I come to you, Lord, I don't want to bring my merit badges in and my chart and say, look how, I want to bring the chart of Jesus and say, God, you love me so much. You gave me the righteousness of Christ when I, when I believed in him. And therefore I, I come boldly and I love coming before you, that idea. So I want to give you just a couple minutes to spend time in prayer. After that, the lights will come on and we'll do as we normally do, which is open up the table here. And there's a table in the back for you to pick up the elements and we'll observe, serve the Lord's supper in that way but while the lights are out we don't want obviously people tripping and everything else like that so while the lights are out we'll uh, uh, just stay seated if you would father would you please yeah uh, just Lord, would you draw our attention uh, you know not to specifically to a spot in this room but to the one that we love to the one that we've come to worship today May Jesus be portrayed before us the way Paul said he was to the Galatians. May we see him more clearly even this time. Spirit of God, would you powerfully use this time in our lives? You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. 
For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.